Welcome to the No Guts, No Galaxy Mech Warrior Podcast number two. My name is Phil, and I'll be your host tonight. It is November 4th, 2011, and with me, I've got two gentlemen again. We've got Darren, as well as a new host and guest, and his name is Greg, a.k.a. Alec. How are you? Doing well. To give you guys some uh, background info on Alec here, he is the uh, CEO of uh, Noir mercenary group for EVE Online, and yes, yes, he is a Battletech fan, so we're going to hopefully snatch him and bring him over to uh, MechWare Mercs Online. So, oh, I'm already there, bro. <laughs> <laughs> um, making large purchases over here. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, I've worked with him in the past. I was actually in his corp, uh, did a lot of podcasts, and obviously, uh, as soon as he saw me pay- post on Facebook, Facebook and whatnot. Actually, he had already sent me a message. I was like, already there, dude. And uh, so I got in contact. And so here he is. And again, welcome back, Darren. Appreciate you uh, you helping out with this. Good to be back. So we got some shout outs. Uh, you guys want to, Darren, kick it off? Yeah, I'll do a quick uh, shout out to all the guys in Wolves in Exile on uh, MWLL. And of course, my pals in uh, Tin Can Heroes on World of Tanks. All right. I would like one, and this one's a deep, deep one. I'm just going to throw out that I'm going to reserve a death threat for whatever guy I will find you, whoever knifed me last night in Battlefield 3. You're a jerk. I'll find you. Don't worry about that. <laughs> if, I, if I had to do that, I would be uh, that would be just a lifetime of work. I've been knifed so many times. <laughs> Haven't we all? Uh, I'd like to give a shout out to the a dozen or so noir members and growing who registered accounts for MechWarrior Online. It's going to be a pretty big following from our corp and Eve coming Epic. over to MWO when it comes out. So that's Excellent. Great. Good to hear. Epic. Um, and for you guys who don't know, noir is uh, one of the few uh, actual mercenary groups that's legit. They're not just, you know, like, oh, you know, very, very organized, disciplined, and uh, Alec holds them to high standards and if you don't follow that dust boot <laughs> you can kick the hell out so one thing before we kick things off is i'm gonna i'm gonna address we've got a lot of activity on the forums and, and to sort of give you guys a scope uh if you weren't aware um there's 17,000 registered members so far on the forums which man that's going up like how many thousand a day almost like two to three thousand a day it's ridiculous that's so awesome it is awesome it was ten thousand when i checked in like when was the last time you and i talked maybe two three days ago was it ten thousand yeah it was at ten thousand and just think of all the thousands out there that still don't even know that this is coming (laughs) yeah this is like the first initial offering there's not even a game out they just put the released not even release date release year out Yeah, it's like sudden, putting something shiny people. out there and saying, hey, coming to you, what do you guys think? Oh. <laughs> <laughs> so with this increase in forum activity, um, and I, I know there's been a thread that was pinned in the general discussion. And, and it's sad that, you know, it has to come to this, but 
it's a please read first and it basically says stop being such trolls guys stop being such a negative just just ah on on the world i mean if you're angry pessimistic yeah i mean okay guess what they haven't even released half the crap that what's going on 90 percent of the stuff uh, all the speculation and there's no need to get mad and angry and just bitter and i mean there's there's guys out there that are like oh fuck this i'll never play you know because you're doing it this way they haven't even released anything um why so would let's you have... register on the site to say i'm never gonna play this game drama <laughs> queen forms for that you're probably already registered on seriously i'm gonna be, a... <laughs> I'm gonna be a go register on the my little ponies farm come on <laughs> <laughs> no we don't want them so all i gotta say is look there's a lot of stuff that's going to be unveiled and coming out and, and the devs are going to give us but have faith i mean and that's all we can have right now and and if you don't know these guys are putting it all out there they, i mean they're risking pretty much their careers in some aspects getting the money getting i mean let's have faith obviously what's been done in the past hasn't worked they have to do something new so let's give them a little bit of reprieve help them out give them positive stuff not just as oh a complete Battletech geek and fan, I just honestly don't understand it. It's like wishing for failure before the game comes out, and all I wish for is success because the you know I I, I just don't understand the mentality of um, already saying I'm not going to play this and I'm going to try and do everything I can to tear it down. I mean, I just don't understand that. Yeah. So that was my little uh, take on the forums. And, forum uh, rant over. Yeah, forum rant is over. And so we're going to dive into, and again, last uh, podcast, uh, we talked about basically the, the facts and uh, went through those. Well, there's a lot more in-depth we can talk about. I mean, uh, and so what we're going to do is we're going to talk about battle mechs, their weapons, and equipment customization, what's been done in the past, and up until the most recent game and then a little bit of speculation on what what we've had so um because i didn't get to really well i did play this um one of the first ones i ever played was multiplayer battletech solaris aol and i know darren is quite familiar he was like you know 40 when this game came out or something like that wait wait, wait what i'm just saying <laughs> <laughs> all right so um your memory is a little bit better. I played this when I was very, very young. What was your experience? Was there any mech customization weapons? I mean, what was the deal with that game? Uh, no, there was absolutely zero mech customization. Um, you know, all the, the mechs that were available were stock, and uh, that's what you got. Okay, that's what so we got, and we liked it. It was awesome that way. And I know that'll sound strange to a lot of people who were really introduced to... MechWarrior through one of the like PC games where you could get in and really get into the mech lab and change anything you wanted, but it, it I don't know, it was just something special, like when you saw somebody in a certain mech, I mean there was some guessing games because there were different variants you could pick between, but you sort of understood roughly what that thing was doing and what you need to do to try to beat it, and it added a lot of rock, paper, scissor to the game, which was a lot of fun. It was okay. my first uh, PC online game. You know, that's what I was just going to say, is one of the things um, that is different from that era and now is back then we weren't jaded, we weren't spoiled with, you know, we, we didn't have any precedence as far as MMOs go, so when that came out, um, 
it was better than anything I'd ever seen, you know. So, and and anything that they gave us felt like, you know, some great treat, and we were so appreciative for every little thing. One of the things I remember most, and you know, it was a long time ago, is just how different that community was compared to MMOs that I play now. Um, just like we were just talking about the trolls on the forum for this game already. Um, we are very spoiled, I think, and I'm talking about the American game market, in that um, if everything is not exactly how we individuals want it, then we've just got to whine and complain about everything. Um, you know, you can't please everybody all the time. But all I remember is that the community was awesome. We all supported every single aspect of the game. Um, it was totally immersive, even though it was, you know, it wasn't a tenth of or even a hundredth of what the games are today. And, uh, yeah, I just remember that being really great. Well, so, look at what it wasn't. It, it wasn't Persistent World. There was no skill tree. There was no money. Uh, you picked mechs of any class, as I recall. Just whatever. You got in it and you were going. I mean, they would have, like, rooms where you could go, okay, only assaults or up to assaults or only up to heavies, that sort of thing. But mostly it was free-for-all. And the community wasn't, it was active, but it wasn't super huge. So you saw a lot of the same people. There were only a couple of the different areas of the game that you could go to that were actually full. Um, there was so much underused space there. The graphics. <laughs> the mechs were basically maybe four or five stock models that all mechs of that archetype looked like. So I think it was a Battlemaster uh, was the one of the assault mech variants. I know yeah, remember the catapult. Remember the stalker? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and everything that had remote remotely resembled that, or even if they couldn't figure out what else to do with it, looked like that. And when I say look like that, I'm talking gray block polygons that vaguely yeah. resembled one of the battle mechs that you saw in the multiplayer, or not the multiplayer, but the uh, the technical readouts. And, I mean, like, a Jenner basically looked exactly the same as a Stinger. Uh, it was funny. Yeah. But and so it didn't matter. There, there like, was... We knew what it was. We knew what it did. It was fun. We like, used our imagination. Yeah. I mean, it was just... Uh... What was the... Uh, now, granted, I did play this. I remember I actually ran up a huge bill, like three, $400 way back when, when I was like... 12 and I didn't know it was like you actually had to pay but this back in well there this wasn't the clan invasion this was you know obviously pre-clan invasion heck uh it it might have been um around the time the clans were introduced um but it was one of those things where there was no customization and um you had a variant and boom that's what it was and, and you got to use the mech for what its capabilities was and I think that was one of the things that I played and then I got into MechWarrior 2 and, and that was actually what came out. Uh, MechWarrior 2, MechWarrior 2 uh, Ghost Bears Legacy, and then MechWarrior 2 Mercenaries. Just um, really quick, I want to. I know you're, you're staying on topic and, and kudos to you for doing that, but I'm going to just <laughs> yeah. really quickly um, go back to Solaris and just uh, express one of my favorite times in that game. Remember the, the graphic for the dropship when you were going down into battle? Uh, Greg? Uh, no, I don't. So what they would do is when you'd... you'd I, f I forgot a, the exact method of, of queuing up for a battle, but you'd basically queue up and then when an opposing force was ready, you'd get... You, you're all kind of sitting... 
I forgot where you were, but uh, all of a sudden there'd be a graphic for a dropship, and you're going into battle, and that's when the you know the it, the game was loading into the the actual terrain for the battle. And I remember that being the best, you know, like you're totally pumped for your battle, and it was all it was was a static uh, graphic of a dropship. But uh, yeah, anyway, I just wanted to say that was something that I remember fondly. So now we can segue back into your being on topic. <laughs> So, I mean, th this whole point of this, again, guys, is to sort of look at what has been and and then look at what possibly they may do. And so MechWarrior 2 and 3, um, they used basically mostly, the, the customization was mostly based on the tabletop rule set. And that dealt with a tonnage system, crit system, and um, pretty much you could put whatever weapons on whatever parts of the mechs as long as you could fit it and had the tonnage um uh, customization as far as the equipment was you can increase or decrease the engine for engine speed um you could add jump jets you could add heat sinks um what was uh, armor did, did was there a lot of armor yeah you could redo armor yeah uh, and, and if you want basically... to do ferroferous you had to assign the crits to make that happen Exactly, same thing with Indo Steel, which took up, and the XL engines took up room in the left and right torsos as well. And so that was pretty much it. I mean, the, the hell held the same, yet it was separated by a good 10 years, but I mean, it was, it was still about the same. Um, there wasn't anything radically different about the two. Um, obviously, there was a few things that were introduced. Uh, I remember um, there were C3 computers, and there was like TAG, and there was a few other things. Uh, UACs, Zoom. yeah, Zoom, <laughs> <laughs> not wireframe. Um, so the customization as far as your mech um, wasn't very, very detailed. Uh, I remember in Mech 3, there was different skins for your mech, so different camouflage sets and whatnot. There was like uh, military camo and like fire and stuff. You could just... But there wasn't anything really past that as far as to personalize the connection of you being in your mech and this is mine. And uh, all lasers were pretty much the same. I mean, it, as far as it was a base damage, base reload, that was it. You know, a, a lot of it transferred from right from the tabletop game into the game itself. Um, Frankly, that's I mean, the best part of it. It felt it, like you were playing Battletech. Yeah, and, and it was one of those things that it worked, especially at the time. Um, I did enjoy Mech 3. Um, I did enjoy the multiplayer, and I know you guys would probably feel the same way. It was the uh, my first really, really online as far as playing with other others. And it was the lag of like... I don't know. You had to learn lag shields. Basically, like aim like five mechs ahead um, to even hit anything, and it turned into striders running around with 12 ER mediums or you know 12 ER smalls or shadow cats and whatnot. Um, and then obviously, you could see what problems that arose was because of you could throw on anything you wanted as long as you had the space and whatnot, um, which. You know, you said earlier, Alec, that you enjoyed just the variance. And I think one of those things that we could always sort of compare, you know, we've got Omnimax, but, you know, when the clans invaded, hot swappable modules and, you know, pods and systems and whatnot. 
that were designed for these things. But then you had mechs, and you had different variants. And even in the books, it didn't really talk about a whole lot of customization unless someone sort of jury-rigged it or spent a whole lot of money to totally redo the mech and whatnot. But, uh, and honestly, that's that's the kind of customization that I think would be interesting for the Intersphere mechs. Um, you know, I don't think we they should be anything near like the Omni mechs as far as versatility, but I think it would be neat to see some different uh, manufacturers of different weapons and so forth so that you do have a little bit of, uh, you know, originality or, or customizing your mech to something that is more your play style, which is something I know you like to talk about, uh, Philip, regarding the, the different types of guns and lasers, faster shooting, less damage, etc. Yeah, I look back into the... Uh into the books themselves. But touching on what Philip mentioned, when when mechs were customized, it was a big deal, right? Like I'm thinking of Yin Lo Wang in particular. Yep. Justin Allard. Justin Allard's mech, which was a Centurion that swapped a lot of firepower and the autocannon ten to upgrade it to a friggin' autocannon twenty, which no one saw coming and went in lots of fights. Yeah, and remember how big of a deal it was that his mech was different, you know? Right, it was huge. And I think, I mean, I, I really doubt developers are going to do this, but it would be cool if customization was possible, but required a lot of effort. So we could see maybe famous players with really notable mechs running around. They put so much time and effort into uh, not, not only acquiring the parts to customize it, but to actually get the parts in there and make it all work, and that if someone was to kill them, they'd get maybe like giant killer status or something. It would really be special to see famous players running around like that. Agreed. Yeah. Uh, so it was it was one of those that MechWarrior two and three um, were sort of limited, I think, and that was just basically due to the technology at the time. I mean, we're talking um, what. Uh, early early 90s and then late 90s um i mean obviously things are progressing pretty quickly as far as tech technology but it still hadn't hit it's you know what it is today uh, you also had mech commander mech commander took a different approach um mech commander was in my opinion amazing game uh there was a lot of flaws it wasn't to the tro they didn't do a tabletop based game as far as weapon components like that they they created their own sort of uh you know uh, system um it was really fun um but pretty much you had energy weapons ballistic missile um that was pretty much it you, you like your same white classes but customization was done like on a um each mech had a uh, pretty much a loadout like a you know 10 crit spaces and each weapon you had was a certain weight and whatnot and if you filled that up or to an extent extent that's all you could have uh, but there was no limitations as far as what you could have it was just that weight um so if you wanted to you could throw a uh, you know heavy auto cannon on your you know um your medium mech your centurion but you're gonna run out of room as far as your other weapons and whatnot so did you guys play that as much as I, I did. I played it a lot. I loved it. I one of the few BattleTech games which I actually was very active in the multiplayer of, until I got sick of the balance problems. Uh, I think the biggest flaw in their system was uh, they never really. It felt like they never really balanced the weight and damage output of a lot of these things. 
So what eventually became a dominant strategy was just get missile boats, stuff LRMs on them, which had very high damage for a very low amount of space and weight, and just volley people. And it got a little boring. My, mine was uh, get as many ERPPCs, clan mechs, and just freaking... <laughs> So yeah, th there wasn't a lot of balance as far as um, multiplayer, as far as customization with the mechs. Uh, they didn't have a heat system in Mech Commander. Um, Mech Commander 2, there was a heat bar included, but that basically meant that um, it wasn't actually a heat effect like on your actual pilots. It was uh, you had X amount of heat, and if you got closer to that or the limit, you had to add more heat sinks to add more weaponry. Uh, I don't even remember that. Yeah, yeah. And uh -huh. um, so as far as customization, Mech Commander was very, very low. Uh, but it was unique. It was fun. Uh, they did a lot of cool uh, stuff as far as it, it was sort of outside the box, not TRO. But it was fun, uh, really enjoyable. Heck, I still like playing Mech Commander Gold. Um, I've actually got a campaign oh, yeah. going still. Um, I mean, that was one of the, the campaign thing was great, and I think one of the best parts about the single player that really didn't get captured in the multiplayer was yes, you could customize these mechs a lot, but the available components were limited. So it was a lot of be creative with limited resources, that sort of dynamic, you had to salvage stuff off the battlefield. You could purchase things, but not everything was available at the same time, you may not necessarily have had enough money. A couple times in campaign, when I got into a tough spot, I've had to choose between repairing a mech fully and buying a component. Yeah, and even Mech Commander 2 does that. Um, and I feel that uh, some of the later missions as well, that gave you too much uh, equipment. And it was one of those things that um, I always feel like you get clan tech too much or you get clan weapons. And uh, again, customization as far as that. And we, we need to move forward so we're on a time constraint here. Um, Let's move on to MechWarrior 4. Now, this is a big topic between um, hardcore fans and, you know, the general public. And for the most part, hey, most Battletech fans, MechWarrior fans, played MechWarrior 4. Whether you liked it, whether you hated it, or maybe you didn't play and you're one of those trolls we were talking about on the forum. And um, what were your guys' thoughts? Now, Alex, I want you to pipe in first because before this, when we were, we were typing up this uh, sort of... Uh, Google Doc, your first comments was, well, I would repeat, but I, I figured you'd want to elaborate on it. What What were your thoughts on it? I mean, well, uh, come on. I could paraphrase, killing the fire, <laughs> but <laughs> I mean, dying fire. The The gameplay was actually pretty good. Um, I thought the campaign was all right. Um, Multiplayer, I never actually played too much of it. I, I went in for a couple games, but a lot of things that were bad about MechWarrior 3 multiplayer after a while were pretty much prevalent in MechWarrior 4 immediately, in that people were rolling assaults, they were rolling uh, pretty much predictable cookie-cutter setups that had nothing to do with what the actual mechs were about. And it just wasn't that fun. And there was no strategic gameplay, no coordinated right. effort. And, and I agree. I, I, on the other hand, I played the hell out of MechWarrior 4 as far as online. Um, you know, multiple different units. Kellhounds, I'm sure if you guys, any of you guys listening. Uh, but one of the things that I think that provided was there was consequences. I remember drops, you know, your heart pounding and whatever because, you know, it's the last one or, you know, this was the big one. And 
Um, let's let's specifically talk about the customization and what everyone knows Mac 4 being about is the semi quasi hardpoint system. Can I just say one one thing that leads into this? My biggest objection with MechWarrior 4, it felt like MechWarrior MechWarrior the cartoon. Everything was bright, animated. It sort of had a cartoony feel to it, and that lack of seriousness carried over into the customization system and it just felt goofy which uh, you know it's funny i never really thought about in a sense whereas mech 3 was dark you know the, dark and gritty yeah and and which i, I did like and I, I even uh the new uh MechWare online it looks dark i mean it looks like you know it isn't it's the future but the shits hit the fan and it's it's not a you know joke i mean this you know it's sort of that uh sort of feel when I get when I'm looking at the these pictures I mean granted the concept art but that's all we got right so um, rolling into the MechWarrior 4 um, basically what they did is it looked at the problems of the previous games I mean you said it yourself uh, you shouldn't be able to run around and hunch back and just throw eight you know ER medium lasers on it and just run. or should you and and that was one of the things I think they looked at and they came up with a hard point system that basically Every mech had, um, let, let's say, take the, the Timberwolf, for instance, uh, for you Inner Sphere, the, the Mad Cat. Um, what they did is, the Mad Cat's an Omni mech, and so there would be certain locations on the mech that would have grayed out Omni slots. Now, any weapon system could go on it, whether it was lasers, ballistic, missile, machine guns, flamers, whatever. Now, there was hard point systems, or hard set ones, I would say, that they were only energy based so they might be red or i believe they're red correct me if i'm wrong here it's been a while i've been playing yeah, since right. like 2002 uh gold yellow was uh ballistics and green, green was, was missiles missiles okay and um any mech could have jump jets um it was whether you checked or checked no, it or no. not not no? every mech could have jump jets. No, only certain models. But some you could... mechs could have jump jets. Some mechs could have AMS. Right. Okay. The different okay. mechs had these options, and then you would tick them, and they'd add tonnage to the thing. Okay. So not every mech was equal, and it made. So that's the route they went to. Now, I will defend them on this, and I, I tend to agree. I'm sort of a. I like the ability to customize, but I think we've been given too much. Uh, you know, I, I don't think. Let me come from a different perspective. I didn't actually play the multiplayer on most of these games since Solaris. Really, the only multiplayer I got into was, uh, you know, recently with um, Living Legends. Um, so I was really into the single-player campaigns of all these games, Mech Commander as well. And with Mech Commander 4, I didn't really have an issue with the customization as as crazy as it was or, or whatever. Because when I'm playing the single-player campaign, and I've played that campaign, I can't even count the times. Um, but when I first started playing it, I just stuck to basically canon mechs, you know, because I have self-control and I, I was able to do that. And so it fulfilled my desire for, um, you know, mechs. To live that, through that experience, right? Yeah, the, the, but the then ones you what happened... Exactly, and I did that. You know, I have I, imagination goes a long way for me as far as game playing, and um, so I was able to play the mechs that I wanted to out of the canon. Now, after that, after I'd done that campaign so many times in those mechs, I found the the 
customization really cool because then I was able to start getting creative and try different things and so I really appreciated all that customization had I played multiplayer more maybe I would have felt differently because I did hear a lot of you know talk about the missile boats and basically the boats and so from my perspective it was great I loved it I still play that game well and I, well, I think one of the problems was is if you're transferring something from a tabletop to a real time there are things you do have to change and whether we like it or not when you create a game it has to be balanced and it has to be fun guys and so some of these things you know is it fun to just hop in in a regular match and you have from one mech 120 missiles coming out of it you know when that mech was you know all the weapons it was supposed to have stock was energy in it. so one of the things I've always thought is that you know intersphere mechs were very very limited if it wasn't an omni mech prior to clan invasion it was very very limited that's why you had different variants you know you might have a centurion with the the ac10 the lrm10 and you know two medium lasers but the next one might have a different loadout and that's why a military unit would purchase multiple different variants for specific needs on the battlefield that's how i felt I felt that customization would come maybe with, you know, the uh, maybe heat sinks with technology might be upgraded a little bit, whatever, but not a complete overhaul. Whereas when the clans invaded and brought new technology to the field, they had developed a modular system to be able to swap out arms and pods and whatnot on these different mechs so that they didn't have to have five different variants. They basically had one mech that could just snap on almost you know different arms and whatnot equipment and there you have it so i didn't mind the mech warrior 4 hardpoint system after a while because i realized hey it got rid of the missile boats or the laser boats or all of that that happened now we as the it was community replaced came, with other things exactly we as the community came up with our own versions and so instead of it just being all missile boats then we figured out well Hey, I can put missiles on, you know, this mech, but also I can put light costs. So now I really want to push the 900 to 1,000 meter range, and I can keep them at range. And, you know, it, now, again, it just sort of, it changed the, I guess, how it affected the gameplay. But anyways, now, a lot of customization. Um, but My issue is that it's, it's faux customization, though. Like, okay, we'll take Omnimax for instance. You have Timberwolf, you've got um, some of the light mechs. How come you can put, you have a little checkbox for laser AMS on one of these things and not the other one? It's an Omnimax, yeah. you should be able to do that for all of them. And if you do check it, how come it doesn't actually take up any physical space on the mech? It just takes up a little tonnage. It doesn't limit the amount of equipment you can put on it. Uh... So the equipment actually having crit space as well and whatnot. Right. For some of the inner sphere mechs, how come some of them can zoom and some can't? Okay, we say maybe a couple of them are scouts, but that wasn't actually consistently implemented. It felt weird, and it felt very dumbed down. Mm -hmm. And some of the hardpoint things didn't exactly make a whole lot of sense. Like you would, I don't remember if the mech was actually in the game, but this is an example of how it would be. If you remember the drag, it's one of the premier Karita mechs. Its main weapon autocannon 10 in the, in the arm. I loved that. Well, there, 
there is a stock variant that has a PPC in there instead. And I, I think it trades some armor or something like that, or maybe it adds armor because it's... Yeah, but it has heatsink problems or something like that. Well, you couldn't do that. The idea is that it's got a medium-sized weapon in the arm. That's the design focus. But with the hardpoint system, it was locked. You could only have an autocannon. It could only be of that size. You could maybe switch it for like an autocannon 5 and then... Or goth rifle if you had put that a many. bigger laser if that laser didn't take up more space. And in terms of the space, they took the crit idea but they removed all the nuance out of it. Something could be like, it could take up one block, two blocks, or three blocks. Maybe you'd have something huge like a gauze rifle that takes four blocks. And some things that probably should be able to fit a gauze rifle in some parts of that mech just couldn't do it. Like, you, sh you should be able to have, say, a Timberwolf that has a gauze rifle in one arm and a large laser in the other arm. That seems perfectly reasonable to me if you make the trade-offs elsewhere in terms of the physical layout of the mech. That sort of thing wasn't possible. Yeah, and it'll be interesting how they do it because, I mean, and this is all speculation, guys, is we don't know what they're going to do. But to create a different system or at least maybe a meld between the two, that would work. You know, are they going to... Are you going to be able to customize? Are you going to be able to change your... Or are you basically... You have your mech and you've got to learn how to work with it and what its capabilities are and make it work because i mean that's one thing is not all mechs are equal and i think where you sort of get spoiled with this in modern games is you know if you're an engineer in battlefield 3 you should be able to do this and blah blah blah, blah. not all things are equal you should be able to go out there and then make the realization of uh shit um <laughs> i'm about to die you know or oh maybe i should have taken my other mech because this is going to be extended battle and you know i've got laser weapons or something i mean is you know I... it's it's the difference between counter-strike and team fortress 2 counter-strike you have one guy everybody's guy is the same you're all buying more or less the same weapons team fortress 2 there's roles different characters do different things the sniper actually snipes not everyone on the team can carry a sniper rifle and an automatic weapon and grenades and this and that and to me th that brings strategy into a game and to me um, strategy is just one of my favorite aspects of multiplayer games these days um, I love pre-planning a battle or, uh, or a mission or maybe like for you contracts and Eve um, it's that to me that's super important so I hope they really make that uh, something that is brought into this game as well so, as far as MechWarrior 4, they changed it up. There were some good things, some bad things people didn't like. But overall, the online play wasn't too bad once we got into it. And then you had MechWarrior 4 mercenaries and more mechs. There was some inconsistencies, but, I mean, it sort of died off after that, unfortunately. Um, yeah, I won't get into that aspect as far as who purchased uh, the IP rights. But it fell off the planet, and then... Um, are you talking about multiplayer Battletech? Is that what you're talking about, Alex? Yeah. The the sequel to multiplayer Battletech Solaris did come out. It was multiplayer Battletech 3025. Very short-lived. That was the EA? Yes. Yeah, and it, it was beta only, but I was lucky enough to play it, so I, I thought I'd give a little insight in there since I don't know how much of the listening community that's currently in for MWO was in for 
3025. But basically, they went back to the original Solaris no customization thing, so the whole thing went full circle. And it was an online game, it was persistent world, you could conquer systems, conquer regions, conquer whole houses. And they would reset the server if one of the houses got completely wiped out, which happened a couple times. <laughs> but, uh, you know, you'd play and eventually you'd earn your way up to different levels, like your starting rank, you'd be just light mechs, and then after so many victories, they'd upgrade you to mediums, and then after so many victories after that, your house would trust you with meat with heavy mechs, and so on and so forth. And it was fucking awesome. I mean, you could pick between variants, much like the original Solaris, they were stock variants, you couldn't tweak them. But everyone seemed to enjoy it, and I mean, I, I wasn't like a forum whore for that game or anything, but in terms of actually playing the game, I never heard one single person complain about lack of customization while we were playing. It was just enjoyable. See, and I, I think that would work really well. Uh, I would have no problem with having you know, four different versions of the variants of the Centurion, uh, and you would maybe own all four just because of, well, hey, this drop, you know, we want to use this sort of tactic or take this, but there's really no customization except maybe just aesthetics, your paint job, you, you know, other crap on your mech, your mech customization inside, the, you know, your cockpit and whatnot. I'd have no problem with that because it makes that particular mech, it, it gives it a role on the battlefield, whereas... Once you change that mech's loadout, it, it's it's a completely different thing, you know. I mean, it's a completely different purpose. As a, um, they were designed, you know, a hunchback with the the heavy can, it was designed to be a short range brawler. As soon as you take that off and throw a goss, well, why would I take a hunchback when it's slow and, you know, I would rather take the other. Now I can argue. You always let the player customize and choose, and it's up to you to whether to have the know-how and the knowledge of, well, maybe I should take that close range because we're fighting in the city and it'd be sort of noobish of me to throw on something long range. I mean, whatever, I guess. It's, if... it's really interesting you mentioned the Hunchback and the Gauss Rifle because after the Inner Sphere um, self-produces some of the clan tech, there is a Gauss Hunchback variant. Mm -hmm. But I think the draw of having pre-made variants is they're already pre-balanced. Once you invite people to have full customization, no one's going to fly, or not fly, excuse me, no one's going to take Hunchbacks, no one's going to take Centurions. They're all going to take the maximum tonnage of that weight class, the one with the best crit layout. DPS. And they're going to min-max it, and that's going to be it. It's not going to be... Fun. Everybody's going to be in the one particular. Everybody's going to be in a freaking vagabond. Right. Well, no. Uh, <laughs> They're going to be in one what particular about... mech with the best uh, um, range damage refire combo. Of, it's probably going to be medium lasers. That seems to be historically popular. They're going to jam as many medium lasers everywhere they can. They're going to sync them all up, and we're just going to have people running around alphaing people with medium lasers. For assaults, they're going to do the same thing with auto cannon twenties. I think it's what I would, not going to be fun. <laughs> I think what I would like to see is um, what we're talking about here, just pre-made variants that are already balanced, and then what you were talking about earlier, 
um, Alec is, is being able to do some customization, but making it very difficult, making it a, a large task to uh, get, either get the parts or the know-how to do it or whatever it takes to make it, you know, almost like a quest or something like that. And not a bunch of crazy variants going all around, but if somebody has a variant, it's a big deal. That's, that's what I would like to see. One of the things... We're, we're going to move on, um, but one of the things that comes to customization that really hasn't been done, and it's an idea that you know I thought about. We actually created documentation on it, and it was you know in the novels, uh, even in TRO, it had there's different models of weapons. There's you know the cheap ass stuff. There's the really expensive stuff. Um, and Ford, even you, Chevy, Toyota. Yeah, you see it in uh, the Thunderbolt. Uh, it has a large laser that you just don't want. I mean, it, it talks about the novels like you go, oh, shit. Um, now, what's different from that large laser from the other ones? It's a different, it's a particular type. It's a particular model. Now, one of the things I've always thought what they could do is, even if they do a, they stick with just stock variants that, you know, A, B, C, and D or whatever mech, maybe what they could do is add a little bit of customization and what i say that is uh, as a game developer what they're wanting to do is they're wanting to give you us the player your ability to have your experience on the battlefield whether you like to snipe whether you like to you know get up and brawl which you already navigate to anyway but their objective is to give you as many options to to sort of take that experience and uh, to its max and one of the things i sort of sat down and i talked with a whole bunch of guys was is if you take um, five medium lasers uh, and, and you named them whatever, different models and types, one of the things I always thought of and you read in the novels is you've got a light mech with a medium laser. Now, if you throw that into almost all of the mech games so far, a medium laser, uh, really? <laughs> You'd be that guy. It'd be, you know, uh, everyone's like, who invited that guy to the party, really? I mean, seriously. And so one of the things in the novels that talks about a light mech with one medium laser is something you do not just ignore. You know, if it gets in your rear arc, you know, it's fast, it can create havoc. And so one of the things I always thought is just like the Thunderbolt, there's different models of lasers. Well, should is there heavier hitting lasers, which means let's figuratively speaking, a large laser does, you know, 10 max damage or whatever. Well, the Thunderbolt one you would think would be the model that would be really, really hard hitting but would have a slow reload, and maybe there would be a heat trade-off. Well, if there's a slower, hard-hitting one, and it does 10 damage, well, then on the other side of the spectrum would be something that fires a little bit quicker, does a little bit less damage, maybe a different, you know, heat. And so now, what I, if you can almost imagine, maybe we can get this on our website as well, Darren, is uh, this diagram, is if you create a Venn diagram, and it's basically three circles with the outer two sort of interconnecting, if the standard laser model would be in the middle and it'd be basically a balance between fast firing and slower firing and you know what if whatever formula and it would allow even if you only had you know five different models and the standard being in the middle it would allow you as a player to sort of choose your own type and we haven't seen that i mean and you can take the same model to auto cannons we haven't you haven't been able to personalize now people may be screaming whoa 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 dude seriously this is battle tech that's not how it works well actually it does and and we talk and we have it in the novels and it doesn't change anything it just allows you the player to choose how you want to bring the fight to the battle i mean what do you guys think about that 
we ran over this idea, um, I think, yesterday when I was on the TeamSpeak. I think this is an awesome idea. This I can really get behind. Um, you could say, okay, there's a medium laser. This medium laser, maybe it does less damage, but it reaches slightly further. So if you're the, the kind of guy that likes to skirt the outside of the battlefield as much as possible, maybe this is the one for you. If you're a hunchback pilot, you like to get in close and just brawl. Maybe your autocannon has a slightly faster refire rate, but maybe because of the way the particular company manufactures it, the, the muzzle is less accurate. There's less control when you're firing. Maybe you don't care because that's not the type of guy you are. You just want to be spitting out shells over and over and over again. <laughs> Jihad. And maybe somebody else is like, man, I want to be conserving my ammo. I want to be making sure every shot lands. Then the opposite could be true. Maybe it does slightly less damage than higher bore autocannons, but it's more accurate. You could do so much with that and not like really... Not turning them into different weapons, but just slight variances within the same weapon class. Yeah, I it's think like, would be an awesome idea. It's like subtle customization, and I approve of that much more than you know something that's just open-ended and creates you know crazy situations. I like uh, subtle customization that makes it so that you can slant your mech more towards your particular play style, but not become overpowered. So, I mean, let's put it in context, you know, this is all well and good, but now you're in your Centurion, you've got the Autocannon 10, and you, you, you like the heavy hitting, so you chose the, the, the largest caliber in the, the AC-10, which is hard hitting, almost max, dam or max damage, slow reload, whatever the system they came up with, but then your two medium lasers, you chose two different types. Because while you're charging the enemy, you want a lot of rounds going down range. Boom, 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 boom. Yeah, the effect is there is heat. But because if it's rapid fire and less damage, maybe it's a little bit less heat in the buildup. But then you save your harder hitting laser as well with your hard hitting AC. So now you can start to see that uh, one light mech with one medium laser may be something you really don't want to, you know, just leave you know, behind you or and whatnot. Now you've got a lance of them behind you, and maybe it's not just a, you know, a stinger with one medium. Now it's a Jenner. You know, now it's, you know, a pant. I mean, so you can do this, and even in the videos, mind you, and I don't know if you guys noticed this, um, the PPCs had charge bars, which in the novels, it always talks about PPCs having a capacitor that's charging, and you can pull the trigger whenever that capacitor just gets a little bit of charge, but the damage isn't as great. Now, I know some of you guys would be like, oh, fuck, mech assault. No, this is a mech assault. But they did talk about and have capacitors, the, the, the charge of the capacitor with PPC. So they could even do something like that. And, and so what I'm saying is there's other ways for them to give you customizations where if they did stick to just stock variants, maybe you could only have a medium laser in this one location. But hey, we're going to allow you to customize that, your own experience. It, it, yeah, you're stuck with a medium laser, but, you know. Basically a picking a brand. Yeah, yeah. Like, you, you, have to, you have to drink Coke, or excuse me, you have to drink cola, but you can choose Pepsi, Coke, RC, Cola. Maybe RC's cheaper, doesn't taste as good, Pepsi tastes a certain way, Coke tastes a certain way. And think about this, too. This just popped in my mind. When we're talking about planetary interaction, there may be a time that you have to make an attack or defend, 
and you don't want to use your frontline mechs, but you think you can get away with cheapo-ass shit. So now, instead of taking your frontline stuff, as you use the commander of whatever merc group or whatever, you know, house, maybe you make a raid with really, really cheap equipment the first raid. out. We don't know how they're going to do it. Maybe there's multiple waves or whatever. But you take your lesser stuff to soften the enemy up, and maybe you got a good group of pilots that can pull it off, you know? And so, instead of taking damage, you know, with really expensive stuff, maybe you just take it and you took the cheapo stuff and you, you know what I'm saying? Or it, it's one of those things that you can say on reverse. You could take uh, really, really nice stuff and get the mission done. So that's something for you guys to think about. We'd like to hear what you guys think about that as well. I would actually like to see PK get this documentation to the devs because I think the uh, branding of equipment and adding that kind of variation is a really good way to go. And you know what, that, yeah, I was going to say that also applies to something we'll be talking about here shortly, which is the uh, free-to-play versus uh, pay-to-win uh, yes. method. Right. So, yeah. Okay. All right, so enough about customization, at least for now. One of the other hot topics going around on the forums is just gameplay what is it going to be like i mean how in depth are i mean is there is there a consequence for your actions and and we were just uh talking beforehand and we really thought this would be something to talk about so is there going to be sort of like a death penalty and what that means is if you have a mech and you own a mech and uh, whether this is for possibly um regular play or maybe it's just for people and units participating in planetary but if you have a Centurion, sorry, I keep using it, but a Centurion, and you drop in a battle and it gets destroyed, blown the heck up, is it gone? Is there a consequence like EVE Online? Is that something the community would like? But then also, how accessible do you have to other mechs? And, you know, if you do lose it, is it one of those things that is your affiliation with whatever particular house? Do they give you like a you know refurbished light mech in return, or is it up to your Merc Corp to resupply that? So, what do you guys think? You know, one of my think the things that I've always appreciated about the novels and the BattleTech universe is how valuable and important each individual mech is, even if it's the ugliest, least desirable mech you can possibly think of. Uh, it's been handed down generation after generation. Finding parts is hard, you know, salvage and all that stuff. Um, to me, that's a huge part of uh, my um, getting immersed in role-playing Battletech. And so uh, I am all for consequences. And, you know, in, unless it's making the game unplayable, the bigger the better. Especially given the time period that this game is supposed to take place in, that's especially true. And this is before the inner sphere really ramped up military production. So most mechs were privately owned. I mean, there was significant state military, but like like he said, even the the most least desirable mech was handed down because it was such a valuable piece of property. And there are a lot of these mechs still floating around at this time the game's going on. I don't know that the the death penalty should be as stiff as Eve. Um I think for the houses, at least, I think giving you maybe a mech of a lower class, if you lose a, like an assault mech, they give you a heavy to earn well, back up to assault is probably worthwhile. For the let's, let's make this clear when I when I say death penalty, and I think we got to make this distinction between the two is 
right now we don't know obviously they've said like team deathmatch and you know stuff like that if is that going to be separate like most like world of tanks right now world of tanks you can hop in you can drop boom or if you're part of a clan which let's put it into our context if you're part of a merc group there's about to be consequences that let's say if you're in a tank and it gets blown up during a clan battle it's going to be out for an extended period of time it may be up to seven days i think darren was saying and so is that the sort of consequence where everyday normal Joe Schmo can hop on there, he can have fun, he can drop, maybe with his buddies, whatever, and just regular matches, whatever. But then for the hardcore series, the ones participating in planetary and, you know, organization and logistics and whatever, there's a consequence. Now, I mean, what do you guys think in that context? I think that's a good model to go with. I would definitely like to see these, uh, these player groups, these player merc corps, be responsible for TOE. Um, having them replace mechs, having the funds to keep a stockpile of components and that sort of thing. Uh, that's, that's traditionally been the role of mercenaries. If you look at the, the source books back in the day, that was a big part of it. I think that's going to be a big part of what makes that kind of gameplay fun for the hardcore fans, which that's really who it's appealing to, let's be honest. So I'm hoping that is significant. Casual fans definitely need an outlet. I don't know how interconnected those things are going to be, or really if they even should be. Um, maybe you got some kind of experience or some kind of credits. Maybe they have Solaris and you can go fight on Solaris, or maybe it's just uh, like a straight deathmatch thing and there's some sort of high level count of who is, quote, winning, end quote. I don't know. It'll be interesting I, to see. I think you have to have a distinct difference between those who want to participate in, in Planetary because not not everyone who plays the game is going to want to be in a unit and be structured. And I think they've even hinted towards that, that where you can drop, uh, and they've mentioned dropping with a lance. Now, that may not be your buddies, or it could be your buddies. And so I think, I think what you'll see is a distinct right down the middle you're playing for the uh, the planetary, and you're running your Merc Corp, and you have your Merc co company now and whatnot, and you've got a purpose. You got that, but hey, not everyone's in that. You may just want to hop on, blow stuff up, and heck, there may be times when you just want to get some practice in, even during or something, and you hop in these just death matches with your buddies, and it gets some you know frustration out on you know the pubs. But the reason I bring this up is. Um, and we're, we're touching on this is and this is something I know of when playing World of Tanks and again we're using this just as a metaphor you have to rely on other people and oh, it is so frustrating sometimes and so um, Elitist. how yeah how do you yeah whatever dude uh, <laughs> how do you fix this or is there a possible fix I mean Darren you played quite a bit um where you as the player don't necessarily suffer from another's action or is there any way around this that maybe they just don't really care and you know you're just doing this team deathmatch or whatever however they set it up um is there a way to to get around this um yeah well first of all I think an inst some sort of instant action option is super important. Um, I know there's going to be hard 
core Battletech fans, just as much as we are, who are going to be married with three kids and a job and just simply aren't going to have the time to put into being a part of a Merc Corp or whatever, but would still love to have the, you know, a modernized Battletech experience. Um, so I think that's super important that they put in there, put that in there. Now, as far as um, what you were talking about in your question, um, there's multiple ways that that can be dealt with. Number one is you can just have, uh, you know, an instant action where you're going up against, um, you know, uh, AI opponents, some kind of computer-based opponents or whatever. So it's there. Therefore, you're not depending on anybody else. But the other thing I think is, depending on how they set it up, the other way they could deal with it, and this is what I've suggested with World of Tanks too, is not penalize a good player on a bad team as much as, for example, World of Tanks does. Um, but again, it completely depends on how they do that instant action thing. There may be no point structure or way to way that would matter uh, as far as penalizations. So, yeah, you know, it, there's a lot of options. Um, I, I I hope they do have some sort of instant action uh, model, but also I really hope they just focus on the multiplayer and persistent universe for the hardcore fans who are going to be the ones that make this thing either succeed or fail. Yeah, I mean these casual fans. You might get a little bit of revenue, but in terms of keeping the server running and keeping people in long enough for you to have time to iterate on things and bring in expansions and bring in new content for people to go buy, that's going to be the hardcore fans keeping that community alive. So I really hope that they put the they they service the casual fans enough so that they enjoy themselves and maybe want to become hardcore fans. But I hope that there is enough focus on end game content that people will stick with this game. Yeah, I, I agree. And I, I, I almost imagine... Uh, sorry, sorry there, Karen. Can ahead. you guys almost imagine that uh, uh, they're, they're saying every day is going to be lived by the community as you know it was if it, you were actually in the Battletech universe? And can you almost imagine maybe there's something going on between Davion and Karita, and there's a freaking like a scroll uh, bar that says, you know, X amount of mechs destroyed, X amount of pilots killed today, you know, like, you know, five clints, you know. You Don't know, you remember Alex's. something like that, Alec, from um, from multiplayer Battletech Solaris? Wasn't there some kind of ticker scroll or something like that that gave you some information about who won or lost battles? I do remember that. I'm... I forget exactly how much information that conveyed to you, but I remember that being there. Yeah, and, and that did add a lot. Um, it's good to know what's going on. It added a lot of realism to it, and, and it really made it so that you were super involved with what was going on on a day-to-day -day basis. So that sort of ties in. Um, you know, we've been talking to about units and whatnot, and unit creation um right now the form is a buzz in the recruitment section i think we've got four pages uh you've got some pretty big names popping up there it's funny actually the most viewed and responded to thread in the recruitment is the russian group that's that seems like they're all the whole country is banding together to form one. oh god not again <laughs> yes eve online <laughs> russians you guys crack me up Red um, alliance sons god. of bitches you know um Hey, you guys got some, uh, I don't know, um, I, don't, I don't know what to, to say. I mean, it's, it's either the Russians are forming together or the Germans, I don't know, we'll see. All right, so one of the things, creating units is their limitations. So when I say this is, we've got all these names thrown out there. I mean, you've got people saying, oh, we're going to be Clan Smoke Jaguar. 
you know, hey, we're going to be, you know, blah, 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 this. How original, guys. Um, but that's not me to say. That's up to you. What You're just QQing that you didn't get say. the Kellhounds. No, no, no. I'm just saying what... The reason I bring this up is, is there going to be... Philip won't say, but I'll say. Get fucking retarded. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, let, let, what I'm saying is, like, alright, I create, uh, I don't know, uh, Kellhounds. Or, you know, Grey Death Legion. And then someone says, well, I wanted to be the leader of the Grey Death Legion. And so they spell Grey Death Legion with a, you know... Grey Death Legion you know, dot. Yeah, and so, <laughs> you know... NC dot, you know, and so is there going to be already in, and, th and this is what I'm wondering, is there going to be a list of already names, but then again, that sort of channels the player towards that route, right? You don't get to pick. That's someone in the developer side gets to pick, and so I don't think you'll have that, but then how, how is there any control over that? Is there any control? Is there limitations? And then if you say, all right, there's no limitations, they can do whatever they want, they can upload a logo, do a paint scheme, whatever. Um, are there bills they have to pay, like a monthly bill? Um, and this sort of ties into, uh, you know, the planetary own and stuff and whatnot. So, I mean, first off, before we go any further, do you guys feel that there should be a limit as far as you're creating a, uh, you know, a company, a lance and whatnot? I do not want to see 500 versions of Natasha Kerensky. That's all I know. I, I have a feeling that it's going to be somewhat inevitable, though. My hope is that they'll have some kind of reporting thing where, you know, if someone's just being obvious douche about that, the IP police can go take care of business as it needs to get taken care of. I don't even have... I mean, I would like for there to be, say... Okay, Grey Death Legion. If it's player run, on, a, on one level that's cool, you know, because that would be really awesome. On the other hand, what if the player running it goes away, and, and then there's just a the Grey Death Legion name is taken up, but it's not really active? How does that affect the universe? There's a lot that goes into that, so I think it would have to be heavily monitored if that's the way they were going to go with it. And what yeah. I really have an issue with people who are like, I want to be Clan Smoke Jaguar, even though that it's not been released yet and probably won't be <laughs> for another two years. Yeah, upon thinking about it, I think I would prefer it to be that you cannot use any uh, you know, of the you know already included mercenary but if they were units to do or that, clans. They would have to you would have to choose from who you represent, right? I mean, there would have to be a list as far as the house, or no, as far as. Um, creating a Merc Corp. What I'm saying is, like, if you actually have to type in a name, like, you know, we're going to be, you know, Noir Mercenary Group. Well, if you're saying there's limitations, it would just basically, they give you a list of names under, you know, to choose from. And so that would limit. I mean, I get, yeah. No, some no, no, asshole is no. say, Grey Death Legion with, like, the E is now a 3, and the O is a 0. They would have That's to do a little police work. Yeah, but I'm I, no, I'm saying like, um, you can do whatever you want with your name as long as it's not part of the IP already. That's what I would like. And so, yeah, it would you know if somebody spelled it correctly, it would just say you can't take that name. If somebody puts four in, instead of A's and whatever, then some you know maybe they'll have to have uh, an admin change that afterwards and ban it or whatever. But per, per, I would I just don't want to see people fuck up the Kellhounds or something, you know? And I, to be honest, I think that's going to happen anyway. I, I don't really care. But 
I, I foresee that as a sort of problem. And the reason I bring this up is I mentioned bills. Like uh, in EVE Online, you actually have bills you have to pay to hold like, you know, your headquarters on certain planets and you have bills for, you know, having stuff out there and you got to pay for fuel. And so the reason I say bills is so you do have a unit that's sort of hodgepodge, no one's really leading. Maybe there's a bill due every month from that Merc Corp because you're on, you know, whatever Galatea, uh, you know, that you have to pay, but, you know, they don't pay it. And so that name sort of in court or company is wiped off, you know, or something. But planetary, what are your guys' thoughts on, they mentioned planetary and at PVP and that um, certain planets, you know, why would you want to take planets? I mean, what are, you, what are your guys' speculation on as far as why would they have planets in PvP over planets? Well, at least for Battletech players, I think a lot of the thrill is going to be conquering the factions they don't like. <laughs> I don't think you're going to need much motivation to get uh, Davian players who are really into Davian to go attack House Karita. It's, it's not going to require much play. <laughs> What'd you say about my mother? <laughs> <laughs> But so I think in, in practical terms, there's probably going to be some kind of resource-based system where some systems maybe have a high population. They'll get some kind of foodstuffs, which are going to be good for the house that you're working for. Maybe they give you some kind of benefit for acquiring it. Some are going to have mech factories on them. Some are going to have research. Some are going to be politically significant, like national capitals, regional capitals, that sort of thing. Staging grounds for an attack. Yeah, some I think you can pretty much points. you can pretty uh, much sure. take it straight from the novels. I mean, they in every novel that deals with multiple planets, you find out you know why it's been owned by who and what they're after. And I and I think uh, Alex is right on with all what all the uh, topics he said that it will be important for planetary control. I think if they bring all those aspects into it, um, it's going to be really engaging and fun. I'd like to, uh, one thing I'd like to know about the whole planetary is one, the broad spectrum. I think we're going to see the entire map of the inner sphere. Um, I think for the planetary and companies involved in that, the Merc companies and all that, um, I, I would almost picture that if you're affiliated with, um, you know, Davion, that you actually can't attack, you know, planets or drop, you know, but then the movement of your max is that going to be affected? You know, is it one of those things where you actually have to physically, you know, click and do, you know, move orders to move your guys's around? You know, how yes, are they going to do that? I'm particularly interested in. Yeah, especially in logistics. conjunction with the a day in the game is going to be like a day in the universe kind of thing, because moving mechs takes a long time. Oh, shit, just being in a dropship going up to the jump ship may take a week. You know, so. Right. How's that going to work? Yeah, I, I think they're going to have to create a way to uh, beat up that, you know, obviously that would be really boring for the players. It's one of those things that actually happens in real life. 95% of the time you're sitting doing nothing. It's only 5% of the time that the shit's hit the fan. And so it's one of those where you don't want that to happen online play. That would be boring. And so I think they'll have to come up with a unique system on that. Maybe our uh, you know our listeners can uh, hit us up on Facebook with a few ideas, uh, what they think. Um, but one of the next big topics uh, to sort of dive into would be 
and I've seen this over, and this goes into the, oh my gosh, I'm a troll. Um, people are already saying, screaming, complaining, some, for the most part, have cleared this up. Free to play versus pay to win. Now, I'm going to be very optimistic and say, hey, these guys have put everything out on the line. They're going to do us right. Um, I have some experience with World of Tanks. Darren has experience with World of Tanks. Alec has experience with League of Legends, both free-to-play games. Um, one of the issues I'll bring up, we'll, we'll talk about some issues. One with World of Tanks, um, there is tanks and, and uh, you know, tank destroyers and hardy or tanks and TDs that are purchase only. And one of the problems I have with those is that I don't have a problem that you have to purchase them. No, heck no. Um, but I can never get those tanks, which, okay, you know, I'll shrug off. But my problem is these particular tanks with their system get more damage, or I should say, get more money, basically, even if they die and do nothing, than if I was to do the same thing. And so, like, the low and all those, I mean, so some might argue, you know, hey, I paid for the damn thing, or I pay for a premium account, it's my bonus. Well, it screws everything up. Um, and in the context of MechWare Online, um, I, I wouldn't want to see that. Now, Alex, you said your experience has been nothing but positive with League of Legends. Can you, you know, sort of talk about that? Well, the community for League of Legends is really terrible. You want to talk trolls. It's almost impossible to play ranked games that are determined by player skill because there's always one or two players that deliberately try to lose the game for the team. And do the dynamics of that game, that's extremely possible. But So there's no clan like clan battles or anything? There's no there's clan battles. Some people do have organized teams and there is a professional circuit. I'm not really sure how you get involved with that. If anyone knows, uh, feel free to post on Philip's Facebook and let me know because I'd love to make some money playing League of Legends. Um, but as far as the business model side of things, like with the, the microtransactions that you can do, yeah, nothing but positive. I think it's a really good business model. The way it works, there's a wide range of characters you can select from, be the equivalent of tanks in World of Tanks. They all have two values. One is the pay currency, and one is the free currency. The free currency you accrue gradually by playing. So, you can get any character or any stats buff by just playing eventually, if you don't want to wait for it you want it immediately, you can purchase it. The other things that you can purchase purchase are customization pages. The way they work this game is you can buy a wide variety of stats boosting things. They boost your stats just a little bit and then you can sort of have a layout of them so you can get X amount of increase in your critical strike and X amount of increase of your speed. But all and characters. Little pieces gradually accrue. So you're saying all characters, though, are available to Yeah, you can, any character you can get. You don't have to pay for any of the characters. You don't even have to pay for these stats boosts I'm telling you about. The only thing that you would have to pay for is if you wanted to have more than two configurations of these stats. You can swap them out. Now, I've never really... I, I could see maybe if you wanted a third one that might be useful if you like to play a lot of different characters, but... Most of the characters fall within a certain archetype, and you don't really need more than two. For the players that do need three, it's a super cheap buy. Um, 
And then the other thing that you purchase are skins. Each character has multiple variants of itself. They give you a different picture on the loading screen, and they give you a different look to the character, and maybe some of the abilities are slightly different. Um, for instance, if your character is normally blue, maybe you can buy a red outfit for him, and then all of his abilities, instead of looking sort of bluish, have a sort of reddish or pink tint. Um, there's a character that has is sort of like a blue wizard guy, he's super short, his name's Vigar. You can buy a skin that turns his staff into a four-leaf clover, turns all of his blue stuff into a green leprechaun outfit, <laughs> and instead of uh, like mystical-looking symbols that appear at his feet when he activates his abilities, you get little uh, shamrocks that dance around his feet. I think it's awesome. I will probably buy that someday. <laughs> That's the but, sort of, and, it doesn't and, offer any in-game advantage at all. It's, exactly. It's just look. And remember, guys, out there, developers have to develop things, and, and a lot of psychology is put into developing these things. Is they're trying to give you, the player... Whether or not it does affect gameplay or not, but just you want that, you can do it. There may be no gameplay enhancement, but you can do it, and it may just bring joy to you. And so one of those things is that. And now on the flip side, like I was saying, World of Tanks, um, it's very limited, very constricted, and I didn't like the load. Now, I love World of Tanks. I, I, I played it. And I really enjoy it. Um, they're working their clan battle system out. It's getting better and better and better. It's not one of those things they said is here. Oh, well, you're, you know, no, it's evolving. And so, Darren, you've played a ton. Actually, you play too much, in my opinion. But, um, Darren is a successful free-to-play member. And by that, I mean he owns, like, every single tank, even the purchased ones. So can you imagine him now being a MechWarrior online, you know, uh, <laughs> One, I'd live in his basement, and, uh, you know, I'm joking. All right, so um, what are your thoughts? Well, actually, I want to correct you on World of Tanks. Um, Uh-oh. What, what the position you're coming from is what a lot of people hold to be true, but the truth is um, all buying gold does in World of Tanks is speed everything up. Um, everything that a person who buys gold can buy can be obtained without ever putting your credit card in there and buying any gold the way that's done um, so is, you can buy a low without mm -hmm. the well you can't buy it without gold but you can buy you can obtain gold without buying it through clan wars there are clans who have bought premium tanks for all of their core members and every single month pay for their core members uh, premium accounts through clan wars so it's really, and then the other thing you can use gold for, obviously, is uh, converting experience so that you can level up faster into your bigger tanks. But every single thing that you can do uh, to buy buying gold, you can obtain gold and do the same thing. I'll it's just a matter that of time. To you, but what do you say with the premium tanks and them costing and having less repairs? And you know, think of Mech Warrior, and you know, do you agree with that? And, that, and that's the issue me and you always talk about is. That's the issue I have. When you could go in there and you can get blown up, you didn't do anything, and you can come out on top to positive, you know, uh, making positive amount of money out of it, and you didn't do crap, and you, you didn't contribute, and yet I went out there, and that's, I mean, what are your thoughts on that? Well, my first thought is, um, if only 
people who paid for it could get that, then I would think absolutely it's bad. But you can you can get one through doing Clan Wars if you want to. Um, but my second thought is, I hope that that doesn't exist in BattleTech. What I would way prefer to see is that you can buy other uh, variants of mechs that maybe aren't available to the general public, but you can't buy something that is overpowered in one way or another. All right, Again, so pre-balanced. What exactly. He, what he's different. talking about is uh, something out. We were all sort of brainstorming, and I just sort of jotted down. And is how do we make it so that all BattleTech fans, and even ones who are coming in, MechWar BattleTech fans, I should say, let's correct myself, that there aren't mechs that are just specifically purchasable. Yeah, I guess you know, like he, like Darren's correct. I mean, you can get a low. You could get you know these tanks through clan battles but realistically that takes a very very long time but you can do it so i'll concede that but what we don't want to see is for instance uh, a cyclops or a rifleman or you know something like that be only purchasable what i would propose and this isn't for me just being a you know a freaking fan and saying oh you know we we deserve this what i propose would be a positive model for them to do is allow all battle mechs, all of them, I say battle mechs, not variants, battle mechs, be available to the players and then have a X amount of variants of those mechs available. So, for instance, obviously the, the, the Timberwolf and Clan mechs are not going to be, I'm just using this as, a, as you know, something to get your head wrapped around of. You have availability of a the Timberwolf Prime, variants A through D. All right, cool. Everyone and their mother can get that. Now, granted, we're not going to get into the speculation of how much, blah, blah, blah. But here's the kicker. What they could do is do certain customized variants, like Aiden Pride's Timberwolf, or Natasha Kerensky's mech, or, you know, that Cauldronborn, or that Atlas, Master and Commander. Those sort of types... Of things what they could do and those would be slightly different whether however they do their loadouts it wouldn't matter because their loadouts would be slightly different the crits or whatever or maybe it's stock they would be slightly different and so i think that would be Phelan, really cool. Kells, foxhound justin allard centurion they could do i mean i think ha that would be a great way to tie um the battletech universe into even making this more immersible you know and being able to purchase famous mechs essentially yeah and and phalon's wolfhound it was it was known to have a distinct look yeah it was a wolfhound but just wolfhound, like sorry oh yeah that's hard. the paint right. job was different the um and kai the, allard uh, liao kai, kai allard liao yeah, yeah yeah remember victor got it decked out i mean i remember them talking about the sort of the Centurion, by the way, if you guys aren't familiar, it almost has a uh, Roman Greco helmet-looking cockpit, and it's got the you know like the furl-looking thing. Well, it'd been decked out, so it had electronics and stuff, and you could see like so it looked different. So now you've got this one. It's a different-looking variant. It's got different loadout. It operates a little bit differently. It's got a different look. So that's different, and then obviously, then you'd have be able to customize it from there to whatever your content. If you guys be. could uh, buy, you know, a famous mech, which one would you buy? Oh God! Um, uh, you put us right on the spot, didn't you? I'd uh, buy I'd buy Krensky's Black um, Marauder. 
Oh, that's a good one. Are you talking about the uh, the Widowmaker? Yep. Oh, um. Remember the bounty hunter and his mechs covered in dollar signs? <laughs> it's shit like that, though. It, it would be really cool scene. You oh, know? yeah. And, and, you know, whether these little microtransactions, and I'll get back to your question in a second, whether these little microtransactions have to do with the gameplay or not, even, even if they don't, just like Alex just said, they'll make enough money off us, us hardcore fans to where it will be successful. And especially the, the free-to-play model is going to hit a broader spectrum of people out there. And so the people who would want to play it, but they don't want to spend 60 bucks because they don't really know if they really enjoy it. But hey, they, you know, you have this model, they get in, they play, they really enjoy it. And maybe they don't pay for a premium account, but they pay for, you know, a, a skin or a particular look or a particular whatever they come up with. They're going to make revenue. And then that person maybe gets involved with a Merc Corp or in that Merc Corp's really involved in planetary battles. And uh, again, ownership of a unit being able to do a lot of role-playing. And like the devs, I think, have pointed out that the storyline of Battletech is going to continue, and they're going to let the player base play as part of that story. But you get to make your name for yourself. You know, they haven't gone into detail of, well, what are they going for? Is there going to be tournaments? Is there going to be a, like, if a Merc Corp does this, you get published in a particular Battletech history and, and wrote about it. They, they haven't even mentioned that. They've sort of hinted towards, I wouldn't say that exactly, but for you, the player, to be a part of the Battletech universe and history, I think would be really cool. Hear me, Piranha. I am ready to quit most of my games and start spending all of my game income on this. All of so it. Make, <laughs> yes, all of it. All so of do it. it right. I'm just saying I'm having to put up with these other games while I wait. <laughs> no. Exactly. Um, I mean that's that's a very that's a very good economic argument for the variant model instead of the ultimate customization model. And you could sell these rare mechs that have skins and maybe unique weapons loadout. Again, balanced but different yep. in some way and also visually distinct. And I don't know how they would. I definitely, definitely, definitely agree that having some kind of spec, some kind of customization, is good in the sense that it could create legends for people to kill. Like it could create, like our essentially our variant of Natasha Krensky's Widowmaker, or Hohiro Karita's uh, Warhawk, or you know, it'll. It opens the door for really exceptional players that are so into customization and can keep it alive long enough to make it worth their while, put in all the effort, have this really infamous mech that just runs around owning people. When you see that person in chat and that they're going to be on this drop with you, you get excited at the chance to kill them. And a thing I want to hit on is now imagine... You've got Natasha Kerensky, say someone actually takes that character, and say, remember this game may be based on actual player attributes and skills. And maybe there isn't necessarily a death penalty, but mechs, if it's destroyed and that other team wins, they get your mech salvage rights. So imagine this. Not only does that team, Merc Unit, or whoever, get your 
the, the Widowmaker, the Marauder. But along with the Marauder, each time it goes into a battle, it has a little history bar saying who piloted it, what kills they got in it, and then who it switched over. So you can almost, granted this list may be long, but if we're just talking text, I don't think, I mean, I don't know the nightmare of the networking stuff to keep track of all this, the stats. But I think that would be really cool. So can you imagine, and this would sort of uh, allude to mechs being handed down from player, you know, from, from person to person. So you may get a mech, and it may it may have seen in some of the first battles that MechWare Online let the players experience at the Battletech universe. It could be at that decisive battle, and it was piloted by that, you know, and think person. how valuable a mech would be if it had a long history, because if it you lose it, you lose it, and that's it. So people would be very conservative with you know the 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 longer living mechs. And maybe if a mech gets destroyed completely, it, it again it's salvageable, but it has to be completely repaired and refurbished, and so it makes a mark on that that history. And now it's got a clean paint job. There's no modifications to it. Uh, but anyways, you. There's a lot to go on there. Persistency and to make that experience your own. And I think that they're going to have to do it right. But I'm going to have faith in them. But um, you guys have anything else to say about the, the, the battle mix and variants? I mean, I, th I like that idea. And I, th I think that ultimately, though, the game may already be past that point. Uh, someone made this uh, a good point in the forums and he was trolled there for a little bit. But he made a good point of some of these things companies have to do to make a game successful and if they don't listen to these things and and they don't watch the history of what's already been done and whatnot they might you know be up for failure but i'm gonna have faith in them and i'm gonna be positive about it on the forums i'm gonna be positive until they prove me otherwise wrong so next week we'll be talking about new topics Please leave us your thoughts at our Facebook page, whether you like us, you hate us, uh, any corrections you heard, maybe we pronounced something wrong, or we called it a wolfhound instead. <laughs> I called it a foxhound. Fox I, I will do my hound. own little correction here. I, I said that Ohio piloted a warhawk. I have been corrected. It's actually a daishi. <laughs> <laughs> Whoops. A, a dire wolf for all you cleaners. But hey. <laughs> Not when it's, it's been... captured by the Karitas, baby. <laughs> <laughs> it's been real. But this has been your local No Guts, No Galaxy MechWare podcast. Uh, we hope you enjoyed today's uh, podcast. And this is Darren, Philip, and Greg. Later. Bye-bye.